Your business is an asset that can support a thriving life. I believe this, and I am committed to making this a reality for every entrepreneur and business owner who listens to this podcast. The Women Driving in Business podcast was created with you in mind. Whether you are thinking about entrepreneurship or you're a business veteran, this podcast has inspiration, information, and advice you can use to thrive in business. Women Thriving in Business features candid, unscripted conversations with entrepreneurs, business experts, authors, and academics who will contribute to your business success. I seek out and talk with business leaders who have built, grown, and thrived in business. My name is Nikki Rogers, transformation coach, author, and the host of Women Thriving in Business podcast. I work with women entrepreneurs to develop the mindset, strategies, and connections necessary to thrive in business. Join me and your fellow thrivers each week on this journey of discovery and success. Welcome thrivers to this week's episode of Women Thriving in Business podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Rogers, and my guest today is Monica Barnett, founder of Blueprint for Style, a wardrobe styling and personal branding company. Monica was able to transition a what started off as a passion project into a thriving business. And we talked about a number of things today, including what it takes to get started in business, why running the numbers is key to managing your successful business, And as it relates to style for entrepreneurs, how to shift from the question of what do I want to wear today to what do I want to say today with my attire? Monica Barnett has over 13 years of styling and branding experience and has been featured on many stages across the world. Her focus is always on the importance and power of the first impression. Across Monica's career as a wardrobe stylist, she has partnered with major corporations, and worked with corporate executives, politicians, and world-class athletes. Monica is the author of two books designed to help you develop a more intentional approach to curating your outward appearance. Listen in to hear tips on how you can build your visual resume. Let's go. Welcome, Thrivers, to this week's episode of Women Thriving in Business podcast. I'm so excited to have with me Monica Barnett, who is the chief image curator and founder of Blueprint for Style, a wardrobe styling and personal branding company. Welcome, Monica. Welcome. Thank you so much, Nikki, for having me. I'm honored. I love it. Anytime I can just talk, anytime I can get a captive audience and I can talk, I'm always down for it. I love it. So this has been a long time coming and we've known each other for quite a while. So I'm excited to share you and all that you do with the Women Thriving in Business audience. So let's just get started. So Monica, tell us about your business and what got you started on your entrepreneurial journey. Okay, let's start with the second question first, because that's going to be shorter. 
And then I can do the first question. So what started me? Very organic. I wish I could say there was something like in my mind that was like, Monica, do this, do this, do this. But it was really just helping people very randomly getting girlfriends and helping them curate this or helping them think through this look or saying, hey, you know what? That doesn't actually look right. But if we do this, we can do that. So it was, in my mind, organic and a very like a God-given talent. And that's what it was to be able to look at something and understand what worked and didn't work. And then you couple that with a time when I had what my dad calls, air quotes, a real job. (laughs) I was consulting and I was tired. I woke up one day and I was like, ah, you know what? This 60, 70 hours a week, this is actually not fun anymore. I'm tired. And, you know, I got gangster. I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but I got gangster and walked into my boss's office and I was like, hey, what's up? I quit. And he's like, what? Huh? What? I was like, yeah, I didn't prep for it. I didn't plan for it. I didn't get anything in order. I just walked in and I was like, I'm done. I'm tired. I had broken out with shingles. I was like, I've got more gray hair. I'm just tired. And I knew my boss because my boss and I actually went to undergrad together. So I walked in and I was like, James, I'm done. And he's like, what? I was like, well, you can figure it out two, three weeks, whatever much time you need. Let me know. Not a problem. Went back to my office and I called my sister and I was like, yo, I just quit my job. She's like, oh, well, you've got Blueprint for Style. Do it. You're in healthcare. It is the most messed up industry. She said, so at any time you can go back, just take a year and see. And that was 13, 14 years ago. Wow. So that's how I got started. I was supposed to be shorter than that. And then (laughs) the second question. Let's build on that just a little bit. So you talked about this time where you were stressed out, tired but you had already started Blueprint for Style on the side. I had started, yes, it was a side hustle, but it wasn't a thriving side hustle. It was just a side hustle in concept and in name. I had gone and LLC did, incorporated, done all that good stuff. And I had done maybe one or two, three randomly kind of here and there. And it was something that I went to because I was like, yo, I'm done here. I didn't even think who let me stop to go to Blueprint for Style, I just ran from the current job. I was like, ah, bye, I'm done. (laughs) And oh, I have something to run too. Let's go there and check it out. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it happened. So it wasn't quite active. I wish I could say it was, but that wouldn't be honest. Okay, well, tell us about Blueprint for Style as it has evolved. And then I want to get back to some of the things that you did to actually get it up and thriving. Oh my gosh, and that's a good story too. But Let me just try and get this out for you. So (laughs) Blueprint for Style is a wardrobe styling and personal branding company. And it started out just doing individual styling consultations because that's what I knew. It grew as a result of those individual clients into doing corporate training and working with organizations to talk to women's groups or to work through HR. One of my most popular and my famous thing is I worked with Marriott International because they had gone to this new dress code and they're like, it's a flop. Help us figure it out. So it developed into corporate training. And then necessity breeds invention. As an entrepreneur, you have to be flexible and you have to be continuously listening to your audience and listening to what's out there. So there's an advantage to being small is that you can be nimble and make moves that way. And one of the things I heard was, hey, 
you need to do something different that has a lower price point so you could appeal to more people. Well, blessing was I started the style school, online style school. You can take courses at a fairly low price point that will give you just a flavor for and an understanding for different aspects of style. They will solve one or two specific problems that you have. COVID came. And as a result of COVID, I then developed because we had to be virtual. I mean, there was nothing that was going to be done in person. So I expanded the personal side or the virtual side of the business to include two new services, which is Pocket Personal Stylist and Digital Wardrobe Itineraries. And so under the Blueprint for Style umbrella now, we have individual wardrobe styling. I have corporate training um, and seminars. I've got the online style school, and then I've got strictly virtual services, which is Pocket Personal Stylist, which is on-demand subscription-based virtual stylist services, and then digital wardrobe itineraries, which appeals strictly to travelers who need to create looks and be ready and pack and get it all done and don't have the time and don't want to have hassle. I love it. So in essence, you help people look good, but also love their wardrobe. That is 100% the aim. Every business venture that I'm trying to do and that I'm not trying, that I am doing really says at the end of the day, there is a power that happens with the first impression. And how can we capitalize on that? And as a result, how can I get you to feel good and look good because when you do look good, other people notice. And that's what this is all about across the board. Great. I love it. We're going to come back and explore a bit more around that. I do want to take us back to the beginnings of Blueprint for Style. And so can you talk to us about some of the challenges that you faced when you said you basically walked in and said, I'm done with this part of my life and I'm going to go over here and make a living at this business that right now is really just an idea. So can you talk to us about some of the challenges that you faced as you were getting started? Yes, I think the challenge was everything. So, I mean, if I'm as honest as I can be, the first challenge was, I don't know that I saw it as a business. I really wasn't committed, nose to the grindstone, like, ooh, I'm going to make this be a business. I'm going to have to figure out how to replace my current income, which was quite sizable. I didn't think about it that way. I just thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do before I do the next thing, which is probably back in healthcare. So that was the first thing. And that's actually a challenge because unless you can see yourself as a business, unless you treat it as a business, it's not a business. It really is a side hustle. And so that was a problem. The second problem was I hadn't run any numbers. I am not a numbers girl at my core, but I love numbers. I can manipulate them, move them, get them going. And so I hadn't run any numbers. I not only had debt from my just living and willy-nilly with, ooh, whatever, I got another paycheck, we'll figure it out later, I mean, kind of thing. But I had debt. And on top of debt, I hadn't figured out what it would cost to actually start the business. So I hadn't considered, oh, I got to get a website. What am I supposed to do when I blog? How do I credential myself after I start blogging? How do I get gigs? How do I market and go after people? All those questions, never, ever did I consider that. And so the problem was, again, I come back to this idea that's rooted in, I wasn't ready to call it a business and sit down and figure out what a business was. So I didn't have a mission. I didn't have a vision. 
I just knew I was really good at this. It was something that I love and I was going to do it. Okay, done. You need to put a little more formation and a little more substance. Otherwise that amorphous blob can just stay that amorphous blob. And so that was probably one of the biggest challenges to overcome. It took me maybe five or six years before I actually developed a mission statement. Hello, and a vision statement. And then, you know, at that time, I'm not going to say it like I'm old, but in 2008, at this point, I'm a grandma in blogging. I am. You didn't have Instagram to be like, ooh, instant fame. Let me pop an outfit up here and show you what it looks like. We didn't have that. So when I know I sound like my mother or my father, but we didn't have that. So you blogged and you were like, who can I share my blog with? Will you sign up for my blog? And so that's a different ball of wax. I can think of probably 50 other things, but I'm certain that's enough fodder to get you going. (laughs) Think about all the idiosyncrasies of running a business. I just didn't know it. Right. I think those are great ones. I think a lot of people get started and they're like, this is something I like to do. But that full on commitment to it as a business, being legitimate legitimizing your business and actually running it like a business instead of a really nice hobby that sometimes pays you. I think that's key. And you mentioned like not running the numbers. And I tell people you run the numbers not to scare you, but to prepare you. 100%. I mean, it took me years to figure out that I needed to run the numbers. I am a child of God. And so there is grace that I have been given and mercy. Be crystal clear about that. Because I think if you sit back, it took me like, again, five or six years to run the numbers. And I was like, hmm, now if I'm going to replace my income, let me divide that by 52. Well, no, let's not divide it by 52 because you ain't working 52 weeks. Let's divide it by 40 because I'm in this business to relax a little. So divide it by 40 weeks. Oh my God. Now I can divide that by what? Five days a week. Oh my God. I can make $5,000 a day. Like what? And that then helped me inform my God, I've got to change my pricing. Oh my God, I've got to go after more people because if my conversion rate is only 10%, I'm going to need to get a hundred people in the pipeline to convert 10 of them. I mean, just, yo, running the numbers is a wonderful way to remind yourself that you're moving from a side hustle to a business. It's not meant to scare you, but it's meant to tell you, here's what you're going to have to do and what systems you have to put in place to make it happen. Definitely. It's what do you have to do on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis if you want to hit this goal? And I think it's so important to break that down. Otherwise, it seems like a lot. Or it seems like nothing. And you're just like, willy nilly, awesome, awesome. (laughs) Until until Wells Fargo's like, hey, where's my mortgage? And you're like, okay, I'm totally going to get that to you. I'm just a little bit late. I'm waiting for this client. And that client doesn't happen. Oh my God, I go, yeah, run the numbers. They count. I love it. And thinking about the time that you've been in business and congratulations, because a lot of businesses don't make it this far. So given your time in business, what are some of the things that you're most proud of? What are those accomplishments where you're like, yeah, I did that? I think the things that I am most proud of are the small things. So number one, I think the big thing I'm most proud of is that I'm here. The average entrepreneur, you know, is folding up their shingles four or five years, or I think the number is three years, whatever it is. It's a blessing that I'm at year 13 or 14. So that's number one. I think the second biggest thing is I've had a wonderful opportunity 
to actually inspire people. Oh, I don't think there is a bigger way to blow up my head, toot my horn, put a feather in my cap than to see someone who says, oh my God, I get it. Or, oh my God, you don't understand how you change how I dress and how I think about myself. Because again, if you peel back the layers of the onion, and I think what makes Blueprint for Style different than other personal styling companies is we infuse, whether you know it or not, a lot of psychology of style and how we approach helping our clients get dressed. And so part of that psychology of style is how can I get you to be more confident? And how can I get you to either love the body you have or work with the body you have? How can I get you comfortable to love what it is you do enough to care about how it is you look? I've got to manipulate that and figure that out in the back end. And so when I can get a client that is like, wow, you've inspired me to do this, or wow, you make me feel better when I could go to work or when I look in the mirror, hands down. I mean, warm and fuzzies all over. That's a game changer for me. That getting those emails, texts, DMs, comments is what keeps me in business. I would 100% say that. What keeps me in business totally. I think that's great. And having been one of your clients, currently a client, I think that's definitely what I get from working with you. It's like, oh, I love my clothes. Oh, I love how I look in this, how I feel in this. And one of the things that you recently have been talking about is when you go to your closet, instead of saying, what do I want to wear? You ask, what do I want to say? Um, And so can you talk about that building on this idea of the psychology behind styling? Talk to us a bit about that philosophy about not what you want to wear, but what you want to say. So it's important because it is a subtle but real mind shift. It creates a different mindset when you look at the clothes that are in your closet. Because what happens is we get up and on any day we could be tired, we could be worn out, we could be hungry, we could be hangry. We could be energized. It covers the gamut of what you could be. So when you open up your closet, what happens is immediately what we tend to do is dress for our mood. And you're like, ooh, again, depending on how that day is going, that could be good or bad. Like, ooh, ooh. I mean, if you're feeling crappy and you dress crappy, ooh, ooh, that's not so good today. So I want to get rid of those instances where this is like no bueno, not a good look. And so one of the things that I thought of is what happens when I go into the closet? Because all I want to do is share with you how easy it is for me to get dressed in the morning. I have the people, everybody, 100% are surprised when they see how small my closet is. But I love everything in my closet and everything in my closet has a conversation with itself. And so one of the things I thought about is how can I help people get dressed in the morning And I said, well, let me take how it is I think about it. And when I get dressed in the morning, I get dressed for what it is I want to say. So I was like, wait, that's it. That's it. You're not supposed to go in there. You're not supposed to go in there and be like, okay, is it cold today? Let me put on pants. You're supposed to go into your closet and be like, what do I want to say today? Do you want to say that, you know what, although I am butt tired, you know what, I'm a rock star today. Do you want to say I'm as happy as can be, but I'm relaxed today? Do you want to say, you know what, I got work to get done and I want to look polished, but I want to look like I'm comfortable. There are different things that you want to effuse 
when you get dressed? That's the question you have to answer. And when you can go and figure out what you want to say, it's so much easier to look at a closet full of clothes and then say, what gives me that look? What gives me that feeling? And it becomes easier to dress because it's now not an entire closet that you have to worry about getting dressed with. It's what's going to make me feel like rock star. Ooh, red is my color. So I got these three things. Boom, I'm ready today. It changes the game and how it is you can approach the clothes that are in your closet. That's what I love about it. And talk to us a bit about why that's so important for entrepreneurs. Oh, that's easy. You are your brand. Done. I mean, how can I put it any better? You don't have the advantage of being Coca-Cola and us saying, ooh, we know that you're the number one soft drink. You don't have the advantage of walking in as, I don't know, Target or Brooks Brothers. You don't have any of that. You don't have the ability to say, I am Deloitte and Touche, and I've got the power of, I don't know how many years behind me. You, as an entrepreneur, represent 100% what your brand is about. People don't buy company ABC. People buy Monica or people buy Nikki and they buy, "Mm, I know Nikki has expertise and I know Nikki does this. But before they even get to that, they're like, Nikki's about business. She gets this done, da, 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 da. That is part of your brand. And so as an entrepreneur, it is critical that you get people to move beyond the messenger and get to your message. No one can get to the message in the meat of what you're trying to sell or pitch or conduct if all they see is a shirt that's wrinkled, they see a mustard stain from the hot dog you had on. I mean, go down the list. They see that you look like you are tired and worn out because you ain't putting a lipstick on. Those are real things. People are like, maybe you don't need this business. Maybe you need a vacation because you look tired. Like, that's part of your brand. I mean, it's real. You have to deal with real people with real interactions. So it is so important as an entrepreneur to put your best foot forward Because you don't know when you're running into your next client. You don't know when you're running into your worst enemy or frenemy. You don't know when you're walking next to an ex. All that counts. You don't know when you're going to be seated or standing next to the CEO of a company that you want in an elevator bank going up to, I don't know, the 10th floor or something. You have got to put your best foot forward. And the only way you can do that is by having and making an awesome first impression. No one gets beyond that first impression. So for those who are thinking, well, Monica, that may come across as shallow Mm -hmm. or I don't want to have to put on a costume or to make myself different than I'm here. Can you talk to us really about what you're really getting to the essence of? Because I know it's not just about the clothes and the makeup per se, but what is it that you're really trying to help people showcase, unearth, unmind when you're talking about their personal brand? Or I think you use the term visual resume, right? So what is it. it that you're really talking about that you want to bring forth or have people bring forth? Great, great question. And it is your visual resume because your visual resume is how you show up to the world. And so what I really want you to do is to be able to show up to the world as an entrepreneur and say, I'm ready to do business. Now, business is done after a number of other things happen. You don't just walk in and say, hey, I want to do this. And they're like, okay, sign the bottom line. Let's do business. That's not how it happens. 
the reality is it tells you that 65%, I think the number is 65% of business is done based on a relationship. Okay, keep peeling back the layer. How do I get to a good relationship or rapport with someone? Well, you've got to make a connection with someone. Okay, peel back that layer. How do you make a connection with someone? Well, you make a connection with someone by meeting them and interacting and building a bond there. Okay, great. Well, how can I get somebody to meet and have that initial conversation, to meet that initial bond, to create that connection, to build that relationship? That's all going to start with what I call your first impression. If you look like you don't mean business, if you are not presenting your best foot forward, I, as the person who is purchasing your services, is going to find it very hard to have a conversation with you about, ooh, I want to do a $10 million contract with you to tell your staff how HR services work. Because again, you may not say it, or the person across the way doesn't say it, but the person across the way is thinking, hmm, okay, I know they're trying to talk to me about business, but I can't see them in a business light or in that framework. And it wasn't a rule that Monica made up. It's psychology. It's what the numbers will tell you. It tells you that 54% of the first impression is based purely on what you look like. It tells you 92% of your first impression is based on nonverbal cues. There's no way around that. I didn't make the number up. That's science. So without you saying a word, somebody is creating a story about you. And the question is, with that visual resume, what story do you want to tell somebody? And that's what I am aiming for, is let's give you the best chance possible to be able to tell and curate your story to create that connection and that relationship and get that business. And so what I'm taking away from that is really around your goal is to help others be intentional about how they show up. That's not about conformity, but it's really about intentionality and how you show up. And again, what is it that you want to say and convey by how you show up? Yes. And because being intentional means that you can be intentionally chic and laid back. You can say, you know what, today my goal is to be laid back. There's nothing wrong with that. But be clear that that look is different than some other look. When you intentionally want to conduct business, what I don't want you to do is go into a boardroom or go into a pitch and have on a t-shirt and jeans and being like, yo, I'm going to talk business with you today because it doesn't convey business. So if you can be intentional about what your uniform is, if you can be intentional about what it is you want to say, then you can build around and upon that. But be clear about in your head about what it is you are going to put out there and show to the world. That's your visual resume. You have every opportunity to curate it and make it exactly what you want. When I go to the grocery store, I'm not trying to say I'm a diva. So I ain't showing up in the lubies. I'm not showing up in a gown and a dress. I'm saying, I want to be in and out here in five minutes and I had other stuff to do. I put on some sneakers, put on some jeans, put on a t-shirt and I'm rolling in. I'm rolling out. Be intentional. That's all. And that can look and feel different to different people. This is some great words of wisdom, Monica. So a lot of us are still living in this virtual work from home life. 
what are some of your tips that you share with your clients around how to be intentional and show up great via Zoom or whatever video conferencing software you might be using? Oh gosh, here's some tips. The key tips that I am sharing with clients and actually that's individuals as well as businesses is putting this into three different buckets. And the first bucket is around, again, the psychology of what happens virtually versus in person. So it's understanding the nuances of what it means to be virtual. So it's not continuously looking down and writing on a piece of paper, small as it may be, because it signals that I no longer have your eye contact, so I no longer have your attention. So it's walking people through those little nuances. That's the first thing I remind people of. The second, and which is firmly and squarely in my wheelhouse, is how do you dress for the camera? There is this much real estate that you have, about eight by 11. And it's what do you want to say with that little piece of real estate that is all yours? That's it. That's all you've got. What do you want to say? And so I remind people that you, from a psychological standpoint, not Monica, because Monica is just telling you what the numbers and what the studies say, is that when you get too busy on top, and let's just talk waist up for a minute, but when you get too busy on top, it's unsettling for the eye. It's unsettling for the eye. So my basic is try to stick to bright solids. Try to stick to something that contrasts the color in your background. If you've got black and you're in an all black room, everyone on the screen is like, where are you? What's going on? This is not supposed to be a seance. It's supposed to be a business meeting, right? So I need you to contrast yourself with your background. I mean, they're common sense things that I just need you to grasp. For women, for those who do the she, her, I need you to remind you that, you know what, on camera and men too, there isn't an on-camera personality, man or woman, that doesn't have to put on makeup. The camera does something to you. Ask any newscaster, even men, they hate it, but guess what? They got to get powdered up. They got to get stuff fixed because the camera does something to you. That same camera is what you're looking into every time you get on a Zoom call, every time you get on a conference call. So add a little lipstick, add a little color. We don't want to see you looking drab like, oh my God, the world just ended. I don't know, I'm inside. Spruce it up a little. (laughs) So that's my other reminder that I give folks. Again, in that second wheelhouse of how do you dress or how do you look? I think the final wheelhouse that I give advice on is your environment. It is so important. Again, in that little bit of real estate, what story do you tell? Because now, again, referencing that first bucket of nuances, I no longer have a face-to-face, person-to-person interaction. I can no longer shake your hand. I can no longer get a vibe off of you. What happens when you're in a room together? I don't get that. What I have is just what's on this screen. So when I talk about environment, what's in your background? What is the story that you're telling? Do I see books in the background? Do I see the kitchen refrigerator with a grocery list in the background? Do I see an empty wall? Do I see that you hung a white sheet and that it just looks plain? Tell me what it is I'm seeing because that's all telling me a story. There isn't a person, knock on wood, I would double dog dare you to find me one person that doesn't look in the background when someone's on a call because you're looking just to be like, hmm, what's going on back there? 
hmm, I don't know. What do I see back there? And it could be nothing, but you're looking. Right. You have, and so that just says you have an opportunity to either tell part of your story with your background or not. And I choose to remind my clients and my businesses that you need to tell a story because in this environment of not having in-person interaction, we need something. We need something to build on. We need a way to create a connection. We need a way to engage with people. And so I tell people, don't do those crazy false backgrounds. They weird you out. Sometimes they cut off half of your head. It looks funny. Be authentic. What people crave in the virtual society is some authenticity, is some connection, is some engagement. You have to give them that. And I give them that by the story in the background. Worst case scenario, you're like, oh, I see a big lip. Oh, yeah, that is a big kiss that I got as a gift from so-and-so. That spurs a conversation. Again, what does that do? I'm fostering a connection that's building a relationship with somebody. I'm one step ahead of you on this one. You're looking, oh my God, what is that? Oh, that's a book. Okay, great. That's a book from my very first book signing from my very first book. Oh, you wrote a book? Oh my God. And it goes from there. Again, you want to start telling a story. What story do you tell? So nuances in the psychologies, bucket one. Bucket two is I remind people of how you look and how you dress and what you come across with on the screen from waist up. And then that third bucket is your environment. And then I remind people that throw on some pants. I don't care what it is. I have a stop playing. I have enough clients and I'm saying clients who have dropped enough phones, dropped enough cameras that we got to see stuff that we didn't need to see. And all you could have done is you could have solved that all. Just putting on a pair of black pants, putting on a pair of leggings, putting on a pair of jeans. We didn't need to see all that. <laughs> that is a PSA, Monica's PSA. Wear pants. That is a PSA. <laughs> Just put on some pants. I don't care. Put on some pants. Oh well, I'm glad you brought up your books. So I think as business people, entrepreneurs, there's a lot of ways that we can market our expertise, really solidify our brand out in the market. And one of the ways is a book. And you have actually written two books. So can you talk to us about what went into the decision to write the books? Madness. (laughs) Sorry, finish. (laughs) What really has been the impact of becoming an author? How has that impacted your business? Oh my gosh. Okay. So, you know, that's actually like six questions. And so I'm going to unravel all of them and I'm going to try and give like one big, ginormous gangbuster answer. So I feel like what went into the book was blood, sweat, and tears. I felt like at some point, especially with the second book, I was trying to give people what they needed. Both of those books have only come as a result of me talking about it and repeating it and people not getting it or they didn't remember it or they didn't write it down or I couldn't fit it in a blog post. I couldn't fit it into a downloadable guide. I was like, oh my God, I got to give you this. It'll help you. So that's really the inspiration for both books. And the second book to me is one that I love and I love it so much because it's almost like a workbook. You could step through it. And if you truly dedicated yourself to stepping through it, you would just be like, okay, I got how this is going to work. And it's excellent for that reason. But all that said is I feel like it credentials you. I feel like people then say, okay, well, not only are you talking to yourself, but you must be talking to another audience. And I think as an entrepreneur that that is a good thing. 
So it offers you an opportunity to share your wisdom, increase your reach and versatility by saying, hey, you know what? Even when I'm not here, here's something that's going to be useful for you and that you can use. So I appreciate the book for that. At this point, I self-publish. And because I self-publish, there's a whole drama that goes along with self-publishing because now you're responsible for marketing it. And it's not, oftentimes we think that other fallacy of build and they will come. (laughs) That's not this. (laughs) You did the book, you've published it. Now you got to get someone to buy it. So there's marketing you have to put to it. I think my marketing maybe could have been, no, not maybe. It could have been better, but I was very okay with going. I did a, for the second book, I did 10 different book signing events across seven cities. And it really just offered me an opportunity to do two things, which I am a firm believer of. It offered me an opportunity to connect and create new relationships. That's the win. That's literally the win. I was in Portland, Oregon. And at the end of the session, the one lady says, oh my God, she says, this has been excellent. She says, I now have almost a guidebook. And she says, better than that. She says, I love you. Yes, that's great that you love me. But she says, I love you. And I now can hear your voice when I'm reading the book. It makes a difference. People don't buy Blueprint for Style. People actually buy Monica. And so when you buy Monica, and now you can get a piece of Monica, and we're talking about it, and you get a piece of Monica in the book. I know that sounds really bad, but you know what I meant? So when you can buy, you get your perspective in the book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for packaging that so much better than basically selling my services on the street. Um, And so it just gives you a different opportunity to build a relationship and create a connection with somebody. And it's that relationship that you can, in my mind, tap into later to be like, hey, here's what I think you need for later, because now I'm a trusted voice for you. That's the goal. So I think it's been a good journey. I don't know that I'm going to self-publish anymore, though. It's real. It's a labor of love. I would love to be picked up by a book company for my next book. And we'll see if that's going to happen. But there is another book in me. So we'll see. Yay. Looking forward to it. I think having done this podcast for over a year now is a labor of love and also (laughs) the hardest thing you could ever do. So I feel like that's probably the book. (laughs) Podcast is the hardest thing you could ever do. Girl, my hat's off to you 10 times over. I just sit there and I'm less like, who can I talk to weekly? I mean, there are days I don't even want to have a conversation. And so every week you're showing up and you're talking to people and you're engaging with somebody. My hat's off to you. And then there's video editing on the back and all the editing. I'd be like, I don't know what was said. Just <laughs> just go well, ahead. I do have a team. Shout outs to my team. I love Woo-hoo. my podcast team. And it is a way, honestly, for me to get out of my comfort zone. I'm a true introvert. But I also love asking questions. So this is a way, it's a way for me to do, ask all the questions. It's like a little voyeurism, like like your own (laughs) focused voyeurism. Ooh, what about this? Right. I got it. I have a captive audience and they can answer my questions. So it is a great way to do that. Well, Monica, I have two questions that I always ask my guests. So the first one is, what are one or two songs that are on your power playlist and why? Okay. 
on my power plays. And it's funny that you asked this because I have all of my clients. I ask all of my clients to create a theme song. And the theme song is what plays in your head when you have on that outfit, because there's a mood that it creates. One of my theme songs is Brick House. When I walk into a room and I'm together, I'm like, Brick. And I'm just like, there really isn't anything stopping me when I walk into that room. I'm about to take it. What? So Brick House is the first one. And then the second one is a gospel song. Hold on. And it's with James Fortune. There's just something so inspirational and settling and then a little bit of rabble rousing for me that does it. So yeah, those two would be my thing. But Brick House is what I'm playing when I'm dressed. Like what? I love business. it. I'm going to have to play that when you come to my house next. <laughs> I'll be like, we won't get any work done. So I'll be like, what? I'll be like, come on, kick it. And you'll be like, Monica, I'll be like, and I'm dancing around. You're like, what about this shirt? And I'm like, hold on. I'm too busy grooving. It'll be very oh, difficult, yeah. but play it, but play it. Let's try it. Let's see how far we get. Let's try it. We'll do the shortened version, like not the extended disc. Like <gasps> the, the, the and you're right, because Brick House is a really long That's song. That's probably like seven or nine <laughs> minutes long, right? <laughs> and even in today's day and age, it's like a three minute song. Yes, it is like two songs, but I love it. I can just play that whole thing. We got seven minutes. I don't even think I can last seven minutes, to be really honest at this point. I'd probably be like, I just need a break. Give me some water. (laughs) And then the the next question is, what is a book that has helped you thrive in business? Oh, my gosh. It is a book that I read too late in life. So if you're an entrepreneur, get this yesterday. Like yesterday. It is. And go to bookshop.org to get it. But go to bookshop.org. They support local and small business. Anyway, focus. And the book is Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Oh, when I say life changing, I have family members that want to cut off my head because I am quoting Keith Ferrazzi like all over the place. They're like, what? My God, what did Keith say about it? I said, oh, Keith says you do this, this, and that. And they're like, ah, figures. Ah. Like they're just sick of me. Like at Christmas, I was like, you know, Keith Ferrazzi says, that you're supposed to do this. And I have a very good memory. As a child, I spent, as a true introvert, I spent all my years just basically as a kid carrying around a dictionary. I used to read a dictionary. I love words. I just capture them and they stay in my head. And so I would be like, Keith Ferrazzi says this. Keith Ferrazzi says this. They were like, oh, for the love of God. My sister finally was like, can you just give me the book so I can just read it for myself? I was like, sure. And then her husband asked, he's like, I want the book too. And then the brother-in-law was like, can I get the book too? I was like, I know. See, I'm selling for Keith Ferrazzi and he probably needs to cut me in on some of the profits of that. But life-changing. So give us one or two things from the book that were part of that life-changing magic. Okay, so the one he says is don't do networking. Instead of networking, focus on building relationships. And that is literally... He captured what it is that I love to do, which is build a relationship. And so that's important because it's being able to build that relationship that really kind of expands your ability, not just as a business person, as an entrepreneur, whatever it is, be able to expand your network. So that's number one. And then the second is he talks about the strength of weak ties. Oh, whoa, boom. Like you want to talk business? The strength of weak ties. It's this idea that when you look back on the types of relationships that get you either that move ahead or that connection that you wanted or that meet or that 
whatever it is that you wanted, it usually happens as a result of weak ties. It's never your best girlfriend that did it for you, but it's somebody that you might know, maybe used to work with from work that you call and you're like, oh, I need to do this. And because you've poured into them in creating a relationship, they very hap, not haphazardly, but very casually pour into you, which is, hey, you know what? I might know the person that comes here. Let me send this to you. The strength of weak ties, just so powerful. Oh, I can sit here and rabble on about that, but this interview is not about Keith, so we're not playing that game. I feel like that's a whole nother episode. And that is so amazingly accurate. Because if you think about the people who are closest to you often have no clue what you do. Boom. Say it again. My dad, I've been telling him for 13 years what I do. And he's like, do you do something with designing clothes? I was like, do you hear me, man? No. They they have no clue. And it's not because they don't love you. It's just because that's not how they see you. You are seen as a friend, a daughter, a sister, a sibling, parent, child, what have you, right? Mm -hmm. And they see you in that lens. So that whole idea of what you do for a living doesn't often stick, right? Unless they're a part of it. Yes, it is amazing how you can have an impact on somebody that you don't even realize Mm -hmm. that, like you said, you may have worked with long ago, but you had an impact on them. And now when they have an opportunity to share an opportunity with you or to Mm -hmm. just say your name in the right space. Yes, they do it. And it's easy for them, right? Because they're like, it's no skin off my back. You're not detracting or adding to what I have going on, you know, a lot of friends, sad maybe, they're just like, mm, well, if you get it, that means I can't. I don't even need to have that dynamic going on because that weak tie over there is like, oh, I know so and so. Do an introduction, see where it takes you. Okay, thank you. That's all I need. Right. And it's that introduction, right? And so that's easy. There's no emotion attached to it, there's no baggage. And it's just like, hey, I know so and so. Let me send them to you. Exactly. And you never know where that ends up. And so, okay, that concept is real, girl. It's real. That's a whole other discussion that we can have about that. It is real. But those are my two nuggets. Like, I love this book. It has been life altering, not just for business, just person. Just, it's excellent. Again, as a true introvert, the ideal of never eat alone. I was like, I ain't reading this book. This is crazy. (laughs) But no, I I love it. I love it. The book I most recently listened to is Leaders Eat Last by Simon (gasps) Sinek. And I have been telling everyone about this book. And they hate you too, don't they? They hate you. (laughs) I know they do. Mm -hmm. Any book I read, I'm like, you need to read this book. I'm never wrong. I'm just never wrong. So (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's like, this is first time experience. I'm giving you nuggets here. Oh, you don't have to read the whole book. I can just tell you the key points. So yes, we will have to reconvene for a second episode of part two around some of our favorite business books. But Monica, it has been a pleasure. Can you tell our listeners how they can find you, where they can find you? And if you have anything special going on, please share that as well. The listeners can find me a couple of places. The easiest way is just to email me. I am super responsive, probably more so than I need to be. It is Monica at Blueprint for for style.com so monica at blueprint for style.com the easiest way you can find me on twitter facebook instagram linkedin by putting in the words blueprint the number four 
style, blueprint for style. So at blueprint, the number four style on all the social media platforms, exactly the same as blueprint for style. And in terms of specials, the real thing that is going like hot cakes is <laughs> the pocket personal stylist. It's had a life of its own and it's wonderful. Again, it's an on-demand subscription-based virtual stylist. That's going to be me. But it's just an opportunity to ask the one-off question. Oh my God, I have to go to a farm chic wedding. What do I wear? I've had that question, yes. And (laughs) within 48 hours, you'll get a response back. Here's what I think you should wear based on this personality or based on this. Try this, this, and that. We'll give you links to those items. Done. Fine. Finished. So you've got expert style advice at a very low price point. Hotcakes. Everyone loves it. I love it. Well, we will include all of your contact information in the show notes, as well as a link to the pocket stylist. And it has been a pleasure, Monica. I'm so, like I said at the beginning, I'm so excited to finally bring your insight and genius to the Women Thriving in Business listeners. And I thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me. And just let me just basically take that captive audience and run wild. So thank you so much for having me. Not that I didn't have to totally harangue you to get on the show, but I loved it. Thank you so much. Okay. (laughs) If that's your story and you're sticking to it, that's fine. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Monica. Take care. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving in Business podcast. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. You can also share your feedback, your insights, your thoughts with us on social media via Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe either on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. Until next week, keep thriving. Thank you.